podcast, aka Want You Come Back, the podcast <laughs> dedicated to IGR, Rugby Union, and everything in between. My name is Charlie, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Nathan. How are we doing, mate? Oh, you're almost not joined me after that flipping joke. Jesus. <laughs> um, do you know? Do you know the joke it originated from? Yeah, it Jimmy no, Carl no I, I, I actually don't, and I, I don't know if I do want to know. Please enlighten <laughs> yourself, and I hope more than me. Well, I don't, I don't know if it if it works out of context, but it's the it's someone heckles him in the crowd, and then oh, he sort of giggles and stuff. thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it. It's that like, do, 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 you want, yeah. do you want? Yeah, the, do you want you? Do you want my comeback? You're gonna have to scrape it off your mum's teeth. Yeah, that one. Well, it's nice to know that we're thirty seconds in and we're in the gutter as as, as per usual. But um... start as we mean to go on, right? As we <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's it's it's. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for that. It's, it's it's nice to be back. Do a bit of record. I um been thinking about this first one back since the first game and stuff so that's quite exciting obviously we heard the the live kind of react from, from players already so that'll be yeah fun. that was awesome that was awesome so kudos to john for doing some ro- roaming reporter stuff uh, which is great john's not with us tonight as you probably guessed so he's, he's just yeah and making things work but um yeah making exactly i mean i'm not sure i'm confident going forward without him you know he's not there to no, oversee us like naughty school children <laughs> yeah, exactly. i feel exactly like like we have a free class but not even the sub has turned up do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, very much a case of if we keep it down we can get away with whatever we want um so yeah, precisely <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like we did too much free reign is definitely not what we need. But yeah, no, he'll be back on the next show and he will definitely be fulfilling his producer slash editor slash commander in chief responsibilities of right, the podcast. Without, so. without, without, without John paddling, this boat doesn't go anywhere. So <laughs> we just spin around in circles. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, superb. I'll tell you what. So, um, this week, actually, it was a good thing we didn't have to record last week because I was on a school residential. Oh, right. You know, did you do those as a kid? You know, when you go away for like with your class for a, a uh, week or so, yeah, school, yeah, mostly in secondary school, which I know is slightly yeah, sort of your direct. Yeah, yeah I can only imagine. Yeah. I just supervised twenty-five eight-year-olds. Goodness me! Yeah, literally, that's that is precisely what it was. Eight and nine-year-olds, thirty of them. Well, actually, you know, the whole year group for a week. And I won't go into into the details because there's nothing worse than because every all teachers do is talk about work. But I will say that a kid fell in a pond, and it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is the only person I think would definitely be able to relate to that would be Andre on a Tuesday night trying to get us all to play rugby. Uh, is about the same as <laughs> year olds running around with no idea. Yeah. ends up like, in a pond. It's a better <laughs> right to be fair. <laughs> okay. Like talking to like talking to geese at times, I'm sure. <laughs> and moving swiftly on before we get to sidetracked. So we'll start off with the news this week. First off, starting with a story very very close to my heart. For any rugby fans this weekend, if you weren't aware, so the Gallagher Premiership semi-finals were played in anticipation of next week's conclusion. Now, in the later kickoff, Exeter Chiefs beat South Sharks in a, actually what was quite an entertaining encounter that I thought Exeter never really looked out of control in um, to reach their sixth straight final, which they'll probably be favourites for going into it. However, it was overshadowed by the fixture a few hours earlier. After trailing 28-0 on the stroke of half-time, I've realised that I've written this in the notes as Harlequins, but Harlequins, <laughs> my team, staged a premiership record-breaking comeback to beat Bristol Bears 43-36 after extra time. There was a little bit of controversy later on, but it has already been recognised as an instant classic and a strong contender for one of the premiership's all-time greatest games. Nathan, did you catch it? What did you think? 
I did catch it. I think it's really important that we just quickly, you know, tip of the hat to extra six finals in a row is incredible. They never really in doubt against a sale team that I really in, had had enjoyed watching throughout the season. Massive, massive call dropping Stuart Hogg. That takes some serious stones. Uh, and and but yet, but yet, really not that big a deal for them. They they go through to the final as overwhelming. When you've got a player like Jack Noll to replace him, it's <laughs> <laughs> well. If we if, if people listen back, I had put Noel as the kind of person who, if he got fit, could be a really outside Lions chat chance. So you know, you never know if if people drop out. He is a favorite of Gatlin's. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, listen, I mean, the whole look. If you like, if you like rugby, if you like sport, if you've never watched rugby, this is the kind of game between Quins uh, and uh, and the Bears, Bristol Bears, that we saw the weekend. That would you want to throw out to for people to watch as a neutral, as somebody who had absolutely nothing to kind of care about outside, outside obviously you know keep an eye on Quins because of your interest, Charlie. What a game of rugby, end-to-end stuff, tries across the board. But, like, you know, you talk about the spirit of Istanbul with Liverpool. You talk about Northampton versus Leinster. Similar types of, of comebacks. 28 points down, uh, like, after 39 minutes. Uh, I remember on, on the chat, I remember uh, uh, the new captain, El Capitan, um, Mark, saying no chance. No chance to come back after they scored their first one. And then extra time, all sorts of shenanigans, brilliant attack, brilliant... Con- Brilliant composure from both teams to score, but at the end of it, you know, they shaved it just about Quinns did. And what a result, what a game, what a, what an ad, what an advertisement for, for, for the sport across the board. Yeah, I mean, everything you just said, but obviously from adding the fan perspective just to increase the superlatives exponentially about it, it was, I think, so it's the first final that Quinns have been in in nine years since they won it back in 2012, which was, again, you know, when I was sort of starting to get more into the domestic rugby scene, and I remember that team and how much I loved that team. And actually, there's a couple of remnants still going on there in, in Marla and Danny Kerr are still knocking around, which is quite impressive. But I think that what I just loved about this is that the, there is so much narrative in modern rugby, a lot of it justified about how intricate and how tactical and at times uninteresting it has become from a, there's not that spectacle a lot of the time in rugby. There's not that. of rugby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How many times have we mentioned it on here? And this was, I mean, in some ways it's because there was sort of defence optional mentality at times during the game. But my word, some of the tries that were scored from it, just coming from nothing, sometimes coming off first phase ball, the way that, that on both sides of that of that coin, you know, I think that the attacking shape of both teams was incredible as much as defence let them down at times. And just to see so many tries, but not, I feel like often when you get high scoring games, there can be a lot of ones, you know, that sort of ground out over the line by malls. There was nothing like that. I feel like half the tries were created from sort of 40 metre running rugby as well. It was just, you had there the two best rugby playing sides in the Premiership by quite a significant margin this season with uh, with the Bears and Quinns. I think that people thought that the similar level on their attacking style and the Bears maybe just had a little bit more grit up front that was going to push them over the line. But yeah, just just incredible, the kind of the spirit that the team showed to be able to get there. And yeah, I mean, for, for the fact that, that you had front rowers playing 95 minutes for that game as well. It, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on with that, the um, <laughs> quote-unquote development game. Cheers, lefty. No, I want to mess with he, he has He has learned already. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> development game. Um, we split it into 420s. I did just over 65 minutes of, of that. 
and I die with like I mean like I'm not an athlete. I was just, someone who could, could you know would be happy enough to play any I was dying. The idea of being a front row and doing 105 100 Yeah, absolutely yeah. dead. <laughs> I just don't want to do that. Uh, I'd rather It's just, just unheard of for a front row to do yeah. Because well, obviously there's a famous game in the Six Nations. No, no, it's, un- it's unheard of for a front row to do more than 70. Yeah, well, essentially, essentially that is, it's insane. And I think that what, what you said there with regards to the Bears having a bit more grit and perhaps some bit of guile as well, because obviously they've been up at that top end of the premiership for a while. I have to say I had them down as favourites, but Quinn's turned up, Quinn's played. Yeah. Well. They like to play with the players that they have and... You know they threw after the second half, and you know I'd be compl- I'd be lying if even as someone who doesn't have a team in, in the Premiership, I, if I didn't have a little bit, me was thinking, yeah, I'd like Quinns to to walk away with this. Obviously, when you can play, yeah, when you can play that kind of rugby, and I think that as well, what it showed was that real next generational thing, because obviously we have Mike Brown who got his ban towards the end of the season, which was an awful way for him to end his career after being such a. Just, yeah, just a legend of the club. He's the most capped player of all time for the club. But then out of nowhere this season, we've had players like Tyrone Green and Michael Lockheinsmith, son of... I was, um, I was really impressed by him. As someone who doesn't watch a whole lot of Premiership rugby, I watch it when yeah. I can. He really, really impressed me, I have to say. I, I was a big fan of his. Yeah. Like Don Brandt stood up, I thought he had a great game. I thought both sets of tight, both sides of the of the of the front three were were excellent. You could see that scrummaging towards the end of that first period of extra time, where they just dominated, 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 and the bravery not yeah. to points to go for another scrum yeah. and, and and score. Absolutely, and I think it also shows where. Um, because there were three people that feel like a couple of the Quinns players obviously weren't getting selected for England in the Autumns and the Six Nations, rightly or wrongly, with your Marcus Smith and your Alex Dombrand and stuff, and also with Joe Marder withdrawing himself. But what that's done is meant that they've just been able to completely focus on the domestic season, and that's one of the reasons why Quinns have been so good, because their best players have been able to play week in, week out. And I think that, yeah, those key players have put their hands up, really, to say that they've got the raw makings of that international pedigree. For me, Joe Marchant has, is playing his way into that 13 jersey for England in the absence of Slade's best form recently. So, yeah, no, it's just it's exciting times going forward. I can't wait for the final next week. I'm, I think Exeter are definitely still favourites. I don't think that we'll be able to score tries like we did against Bears against Chiefs just because they're a bit tighter in defence. But, hey, when you play rugby like that, you can create opportunities and just looking forward to it. Awesome yeah. work. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you know, take, take a breath. Don't worry. I, I can understand the, 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 like the excitement and stuff. Uh, obviously, on this podcast, um, we there is a, there is a favourite player that comes up. Uh, even though there's only four of us, he's voted for he's voted three or four times per, per vote on who's the favourite player of the vote. Marla Watch. Mr. Mr. Joe Marler. Now, our Arsenal colleague, uh, Mr. John Dickinson, is behind, lurking behind the scenes today and isn't here to talk about him. But, you know, obviously, he, we've mentioned his, pod, his, his podcast in the past. We've mentioned the documentary uh, that they put up on YouTube, which is still advised. But obviously, he's added yet another... Uh, you know, string to the bow of why Joe Marler is a good, good bloke uh, is that he was uh, on the day the final, his baby girl was born, which is amazing. And in typical Joe Marler gangster style, he uh, got a private helicopter to the ground. So there's another reason to love that hairy bloke. Uh, what, <laughs> I didn't say I would say that, John, in the script, but fine, good. Thanks. For <laughs> But yeah, you know, congratulations oh, to you know, a stalwart of that club. Yeah. One of those people that you think of when you think of Harlequin's rugby. So congratulations to, to all of them on, on what is a massive achievement. 
for the club where it is at the minute. Absolutely. And it wasn't even just the fact that obviously his daughter's born on the Thursday. On the Saturday morning, he gets flown by a helicopter from Heathfield over to Bristol. He then plays 95 minutes yeah. of elite rugby as yeah. a loose head forward. And even during that, to hear, I think it must have been a scrum in the 60, sorry, the 76th minute or something like that. Did you hear? They went, the scrum went down on the tight head side and Barnes, obviously Wayne Barnes was refereeing. And he just goes, yeah, okay, fine. Don't worry. Your guy's side was fine. It's the other side that's going down. And you just hear him go, well, to be honest, Wayne, I thought our side was world class. I think you're doing a disservice <laughs> there. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, you're you're in the 76th minute, drawn with in a crunch yeah. Premiership semi-final, and you're still cracking jokes. But I guess that's the mentality you probably have now. Yeah, when you just had your fourth kid, you're like, life is good. Like, if I win this, I win. I, he's no, one it's of the great characters. Him, he's got in the list with people like Zinzan Brooks and um, Graham Rantry and people like that who are real characters off the pitch. So excellent stuff altogether. And, and a great advertisement yeah. for, for English domestic rugby as well as I am too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, super work. We will move on from there to the second big game of the weekend that came as a shock to all of us. I didn't even really see it across the thing until you put it in the chat, but Benetton won the Rainbow Cup. They did win the what? Rainbow Cup. Yes, congratulations to what? Great. Congratulations to, to Benetton Treviso. Congratulations to the world's greatest player, Paolo Garbisi. They have... Uh, our friend. Our friend. Please, please be my friend. Uh, you know, an amazing achievement. I, I'm not going to pretend we talked about this both uh, in person and on, on previous records that uh, the Rainbow Cup has not exactly grabbed the popular watching population by the lapels and and thrilled them into uh, into watching. It's been a little bit poor. It's also been difficult to access if you live, for example, like we do in the UK. It's been really troubling, really, tr- really troubling. Oh, try that again. Also, really difficult to access if you like us live in in the UK or in England. It's difficult to get access to it. Um, but you know, listen, Benetton and Zebra, the two Italian sides in the pro uh, in the pro fourteen always been the whipping boys, always been right down the bottom. They've never really done anything except come last and second last. But so finally to see uh, someone like Benetton, uh, you know, winning a tournament that included my side Leinster, included, you know, uh, European royalty in Munster, European, multiple European champions, Ulster, almost multiple European champions. I can't say about the rest of the teams because that's it. But, uh, you know, glass- yeah. Glasgow, the Welsh, the Welsh, uh, the Welsh clubs, and, and Edinburgh. So to mm. see, you know, an Italian team win a tournament is is great. Um, we've talked a lot about yeah. where they are, and to see someone like Garbisi winning a medal, that's going to be such a confidence booster for him, and I think for the Italian side in general. So good for them. Absolutely, and I think that I mean, so they got a bit of help, didn't they, from COVID with one of their fixtures? Was it the Connacht game that they got? I think they got awarded four points for it getting called off, but they'd already won their their first two games before that, so they thoroughly deserved to be there. And then they beat the Bulls. The Bulls are the most successful South African Super yeah. Rugby franchise of all time. Yeah. You know, their <laughs> legends have played for them. I think that what was it? Um, Victor Matfield and Bakus Bota were their yeah. anchors for years. I mean, these are it's a legendary club almost with some of the biggest players from the country there. So no, it's it's an incredible achievement. And it also leads quite nicely into the uh, second thing that you wanted to bring up and talk about in a bit more detail, yeah. which is that the Pro 14 will no longer be the Pro 14. No, the Pro, Pro 14 is having um, a facelift. It's now known as the United Rugby Championship. So everyone, obviously I'm a Leinster fan. I'm not going to talk about it for too long, I do apologies. But apologies, apologize. Um, you know, so, it's it's a revamping of what we call now the Pro 14. So we've talked about this Irish, Scottish, Welsh, and Italian 
domestic sides who compete for it. It's like the it's like the English Premiership. It comes to a playoffs at the end of the year. It has been rather one-dimensional for quite a while. My team has won four of the last four. Uh, I think six of the last eight, something like that. Uh, it, it's not desperately competitive. And what it does mean is that Irish sides in particular can prepare to just think about European rugby and why we've been so successful, Leicester in particular, and Munster in previous years in winning that. But what is happening now is that there were two uh, South African teams joined the last couple of years. There was the Southern Kings and the Cheetahs. They have been replaced now with the traditional South African for those Super 14, Super 15 era player teams. So, so obvious, yeah. So are they joining in addition to the Kings and the Cheetahs or are they replacing them flat out? They've been jettisoned completely. So it's the Bulls, the Stormers, the Sharks and the Lions. Yeah. You were into, if you were into your clobber, like I was, if you were into a rugby clobber growing up as a kid, I had a shot in the Tall Sharks kit. I used to wear that to training, being like, I am absolutely on board here because they were some of the best kits that you could get with the South African. Yeah, they were great. They were great. I, I always used to like the, the Golden Lions strip as well, partly because as well they were the most like the Johannesburg based side, weren't they? That it was just this all African heartland almost that the teams would have to go and play. Yeah, just loads of history steeped in them. No, oh, absolutely, hundred percent. And it, 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 we know we've talked. Obviously, South Africa, the world champions, possibly the greatest team in the world at the minute. We're going to see how the Lions do against them. I mean, the summer, but it's really, you know, I, I can remember watching or at least watching the highlights of Pro 14, Pro 15, Pro 16, uh, Super Rugby stuff, which it is now. Um, I, I'm loving watching the South African teams because it's also it's great to see them back playing. The really, really interesting thing about this, though, I don't know if you know this, Charlie, if you've seen these, is that not only so there's it, what the, the Pro 14 was in pros in two things of seven. And then it was like a knockout when you got to the end. This time it's gone straight back to the full. It's just all the teams. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, like the Premiership. Again, with knockout. But from 2022-23, the South African teams are eligible to qualify for European Cup rugby. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's a game changer. Yeah. Absolute game changer. So they're playing in the, as I would call it, the Heineken Cup, which it sort of still is. So you're talking about the, like these. It's the Heineken teams. Rugby Champions winners. Yeah, yeah, the Heineken Cup. The Heineken Cup is no longer European rugby because yeah. four South African teams are in. Wow. It's a great idea. The way they've done it as well for our environmental people, there is nothing worse than the environment than flying. I appreciate that, but they're doing it in stints. So everyone goes, does all their games in South Africa, and the next season everyone goes up to Europe and does all the games in one go in Europe. So they are, they have kept an eye on that. But that's the really fascinating thing is going to be seeing the Bulls, the Lions, the Stormers, and the Sharks playing in European Heineken Cup rugby from the season after next. That's a really exciting thing. That it that says so many things doesn't it it i mean obviously it, the positives you know that i i've always been interested in seeing how different sides match up against each other i've always wanted to see how toulouse or leinster would match up against the crusaders or the highlanders or again you know the bulls and the sharks i think it's the sort of things we always wanted to see i think in a lot of ways obviously it's a shame that we are seeing it when we're in a period of South African super rugby franchises being in probably the weakest state they've been in well it's a bit yeah. in general but that how much does that say about the state of Super Rugby as well over the last few years? It went from being the pinnacle, really, of 
domestic rugby or to, of club rugby around yeah. the world, wasn't it? It was almost the, it was setting the trend back when it was the Super 12, the Super 15, before it just became Super Rugby in general. And yeah, the fact that the, there's so little money in that now domestically in South African rugby that they're having to branch out to it that extent. Really yeah, no, it's fascinating. It is fascinating from that perspective. And we will do this. We've been threatening to do this for weeks, uh, doing opens of fire. <laughs> but it does mean that there's no excuse for what was Sanzar, if you're old enough, yeah. I don't know what it's called now, but for the, the big nation, I think it's Santa. the Southern Hemisphere, including Argentina, yeah. to now focus on Pacific Islands and Japan because South Africa is now essentially part of European rugby. Mm. So hopefully... Yeah, I wonder what the implications there will that be then, because I mean, that for me, that's a, that's a gateway to South Africa joining the Six Nations, which I think they want to do by the sound of things, because they were talking about it, weren't they, for the expanded tournament last yeah. year? So it's not well, what I, I, don't, I don't want it to happen, but we'll see. We will see. But yes, as I've said, newly interesting to see how it works out. South African teams playing European rugby from the season after next. So exciting, exciting for that all together. Really interesting week. Um, in terms of domestic rugby, so yeah, really, really good stuff. I thought, but yeah, yeah, absolutely fascinating. Wow, fantastic! There's a lot to think about there. I think that I'll, that's a message that I might have to have over some, a conversation with you separately to that as well, but rather than boring the masses with the intricacies of uh, rugby politics at the moment. <laughs> but we will come on to that later. So uh, we'll come on to our third story, which is a positive one. It, it will be brief. It's about something that. It's quite close to our hearts. So if you are a long-time listener of the pod, which on the 16th episode, it's not not the longest time it could be, but still our determined, our committed fans, just, we do appreciate you, us, even you, as, you, more so than you. ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you just joined us, you go, we, don't, we don't care, mate. This isn't for you. <laughs> but you'll know that we brought up a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, we brought a few weeks ago, we brought up the fact that um, there would be the first all LGBTQ plus cricket match played in the UK between uh, the London Graces Cricket Club and the Birmingham Unicorns who were only set up last year. And the game actually happened. A match happened a couple of weeks after it was meant to because of the weather. Classic cricket, don't get the same. Well, I was about to say we don't get the same, but we definitely do in rugby as well. But yes, the weather meant that it wasn't able to be played. However, it has been played and uh, it was a 40 over the match the Graces scored 227 for 8 and the Unicorns finished 189 for 6 which for those of you that don't care about cricket means that Graces won by 38 runs which to be fair that's a really competitive game sounds like a cracker honestly Charlie it was like Henry Blofeld was in the room I couldn't I could not believe yeah. it. Uh, that's a joke for Glenn and maybe Innes and I think that's probably yeah, it's about, I was about to say <laughs> no one else is <laughs> Charlie Wilderburn I'll get Oh really? I'll tell you what. If you ever want just a fun listen, is get Blower's autobiography on an audio book because it's him narrating it, and it is it's gold. It's gold. Anyway, um, he's an excellent, excellent commentator. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Yeah, legend. So you can cut that, John. It's fine. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> congratulations to both teams. Obviously, for the result, congratulations to Gracious, but much, much more so for what yeah. you have brought, what you have achieved in bringing inclusive sport to more people. And I think you know we'll share it and like it across our socials. We've already had a dialogue with you guys. It seemed like a fantastic group of people, and we are always there yeah. to try and promote yeah. Yeah. the expansion of inclusive sport. And hopefully, they will be joined by other budding cricket clubs in the near future. Awesome. Right. I will now come on to this week's Vulcan Corner. 
and I will hand over to Nathan for this one because I wasn't <laughs> present for the uh, <laughs> for the most recent game, the long-awaited match against the Yorkshire Ambulance Service. But I know that Nathan played at least sixty-five minutes. So <laughs> let's see what the thoughts are. <laughs> no, it was it was great. Um, if anyone hasn't yet, they should really read Mark's um, the cap Mark Morgan the captain's uh, report. Um, on the game, which is up on the Shepherd Buckland's website, which is an excellent read. Um, also, thanks to the guys we've already mentioned them who gave us the pitch side post game interviews. I was uh, essentially retching on the sideline after a year of not playing rugby properly, so I couldn't be involved in that. Um, but listen, there's a massive amount of, of, of excellent stuff to take from this you know we turned up we played a game against what were a better 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 trained and and better just more experienced sides you know they were a bunch of big lads who really turned up to give us a tough game we actually somehow managed to go five up uh it should have been seven but i hit the crossbar from 20 yards which is absolutely fine uh, but congratulations to felix for going over for us uh, and to uh to, to ryan ashley who who put him away in the corner so it was, it was a good start um but i think the physicality eventually of of the yorkshire Hampton service showed through as well as just game experience but you know what i think everyone who turned up would recognize that we gave them a game you know we're talking about players who we players it was mentioned up to us after the game there were players who were in the uh, leicester tigers academy playing against us you know so we were playing against some professionals um which is an amazing. I'm I'm going to say this now as a I, I, I obviously you played the game, had the game, and it's nothing to do with nothing against Lefty for making the fixture. I mean, he was to know anything about it. But I I do, and again, I don't also don't want to bad Matthew Yorkshire Ambulance Service because hey, you know they're all great people that obviously do a fantastic contribution to society, and it was great to be able to play the game. But you do have to be careful in rugby because I think it's a sport where being outmatch like that can be dangerous and obviously everyone has walked away fine and you know, a couple of couple of regular injuries that you might get from it we managed to score a try and stuff but yeah I think that you'd always have to do be conscious in a sport where who's getting who what who's getting something out of the fixture uh which after reviewing that and talking about you know the players that have been uh, that yeah that have come you've been in professional academy so essentially semi-professional players with that kind of experience I mean you put them in a development game then I don't know I think that that's it's potentially dangerous. It's potentially well, I dangerous. Think, I think you are right, but I think that I think it was a I think it was just miscommunication slightly. I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe they were developing, and that they only play together very, very rarely, as opposed to some of them were excellent, excellent rugby players. Um, but I think there's and it was for charity. It was a charity. It was for charity. Well, so, you know, I think brilliant. From, from from a perspective of someone who played most of the game, I think you know we have to give massive kudos. I think to I think Ed was superb. A scrum yeah. great game. Um, I think Ryan was great in, in the centre from defensively. Uh, I think Ben, Ben Nicholson's first uh, turnout was incredible, um, mm -hmm. as indeed were people like Felix. We've already talked to Felix Gordon. That's the last time I'll ever compliment him. How, how, did, how did Owen get on? How did my boy get on? <laughs> when, Stephen, when Stephen turned up, he was... Well, he was man of the match. He only played the, last, the second half. He was absolutely... He was superb. Yeah. Owen as well. Uh, turned up, got injured, but seems to be okay. His mum wouldn't let him good. back on the pitch. That's a genuine thing that happened. His mother said no, uh, but good for him. Uh, but to the guys, the thing that really has to be put up is we were being pretty physically dominated by a bigger team and a stronger team and a more experienced team. But 
plenty of people turning up and putting out their first performance. So Ben Whittison, mm-hmm. well done, mate. Superb. Matt Littler, I mean, he's, he's a monster at the best of times. Uh, <laughs> it's a big, big boy, big boy. And Andrew Gibson came back after injury, which was massive. Liam's back, back playing his first game as well. Uh, and then uh, Eshibi as well, who, who brought his entire fan club with him. Uh, if anyone, <laughs> the entire fan club, which was much appreciated, and we absolutely yeah. they come back. Uh, and so, you know what, you know what, guys, just fair play for saying that when it's that tough and it's that brutal when you're playing the game, so just stick it out, play the game, and well, match I, up to it, it and it kind of come up with a smile on your face. Fair play. It sounds like a big, massive kind of cliche and a bit stupid, but I don't like the phrase "no one took a backward step" because. I don't think it means anything, but no, literally no one, everyone was throwing themselves into tackle. Everyone I saw was yeah. offering to carry ball. Everyone was doing, really was pushing themselves to, to a level that we hadn't seen in training before. Cause obviously training has been very curtailed. It's been, it's been touch rugby. Yeah. And I think that there's not a single person new or otherwise who could walk away from that game with any real negative feelings. I mean, as no. I said, I hit the crossbar from a conversion from 20 yards, but that's... Yeah, that is your fault. So. That is my fault. I just want you to know that everyone is in agreement here when they feel about that, which is they feel like it was all your fault. So yeah, uh, yeah, just take from that what you will. Although I bought a new... Do you know what I did? Right, hold on. This yeah, is, go on. I bought a new kicking tee. Right? <laughs> Just as a complete, as a complete um, like, just overreaction. How big is this fucker? <laughs> How big is this? Son of a- you even reach that high. Shut your mouth. It's like, that's like, that's like six inches tall. Anyway, this is for an audio, audio medium. So I bought a really big yeah. kitchen tea. Sorry. DM me for photos. Um, Sorry, do you think he's compensating for something? <laughs> green as well. It's the big green... Kicking tea if you if you, if you weren't if you weren't you know obviously with a with a very very lucky lady that would be in your tinder bio as well guy you should see the size of my tea <laughs> this one's frayed <laughs> <laughs> it does look a little bit ribbed like ribbed <laughs> ribbed, for, ribbed for no one's fun anyway anyway no one's pleasure let's move on from that anyway but uh, <laughs> like like to, to I may have missed someone's name who made their first performance for the book. Oh, Matt as well. Matt made his first um, amazingly. Matt's been with us for years. Matt Clark made his first actual uh, game as well. So congratulations to everyone. If I'm not if I'm not remember your name, I do apologise. But what 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 an effort um, to put it to put a score up and to give him a game. I know it was a massive difference in score, but actually they weren't expecting it. They weren't expecting it to be as challenging as that. I think they thought they were going to get yeah. triple figures, um, but they were a lovely bunch of of people. And thank you to to them for for hosting us. It was it was yeah back playing again. Yeah, absolutely cool. Uh, I think that's a good time for a break. Actually, we will see you in a few moments for the second half. Hello and welcome back to the second half of the Shepherd Balkans podcast. In the first half, we covered the outstanding semi-finals from the Premiership and the final from the Rainbow Cup, as well as checking in on our cricketing buddies over at Grace's and the Unicorns, while we also talked about some of the highlights and potential lowlights from the game that Vulcans played a couple of weeks ago from Nathan's perspective. 
in addition to the massive kicking tee that is actually like it's a third of the ball it's ridiculous <laughs> in all its glory now i needed the perspective okay um as we are have come to the end of the break now we are going to be looking at something that we have been eagerly anticipating not just on the pod but i think rugby fans in general have been anticipating well in the four-year period of its absence and that is the Lions Tour the first game which actually is the first test technically will be played against Japan on the 26th of June I believe it's a is it a 1.30 kickoff sorry I should probably know that I believe that is correct yeah yeah I believe that's great fantastic yeah 1.30 kickoff next week first of all how are we feeling about it Nathan are we excited yeah I'm really excited about it I'm really pleased that Japan have been chosen to be the the, the warm-up act uh, for South Africa I think partly because Japan play rugby in a very different way to South Africa. It's a lot less physical. It's much more flair in the back line. It's, it's, it's exciting, is actually what I'm saying. And hopefully it'll give Gatland a chance to play an exciting side because, let's be fair, he's picked squad. He has done. We've gone over it in the past. It's there to be aggressive and to be up front with the South Africans. It'd be nice to see a Finn Russell involved. It'd be nice to see... Kind of your your exciting players taking a chance to, to play some barbarian esque rugby if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, in terms of the playing style, I think that Japan is such an interesting side to go up against first. As you say, very different stylistically, but what Japan force you to play good rugby. I think because the, what they do is that not only do they play fast and they play with a lot of flair, but they play with such a ridiculous degree of accuracy, probably more than any other team in the world, because they have to, to compete with the physicality of a lot of teams. They have to play with that ridiculous accuracy and the rhythms and a bit of background story. This is a bit nausy, but um, the Japanese team that went and that played in the 2019 World Cup and obviously got out of the group stages, beat Scotland and Ireland. They, so at that point, Japan had a team in Super Rugby. They had the Sun Wolves, and I always sort of presumed that they were like the equivalent of Jaguares, which were the Argentinian side in Super Rugby, which is where basically the whole of that team is made up by the international team, you know, by all the international players. They come together, and that's who they play for week in, week out. But that wasn't the case at all for the 2019 World Cup. Nearly all the players in that team were, were barely playing domestic rugby before they went to the World Cup. What Jamie Joseph did was essentially he got them out of their kind of obligations with a lot of club teams and they train together for a whole year pretty much every day to work on a game plan and work on a game mentality and then what they did is they played warm-up games against teams in there I was is it the top something whatever the name of the Japanese rugby league is they played teams in there when they needed a bit of practice but other than that they didn't really play that much top level rugby which either meant they were really fresh but it also meant that they just knew each other almost subconsciously they knew what each other were going to do they knew their patterns they knew their style they knew their tactics so thoroughly that the accuracy they produced in that world cup was insane now they're similar to south africa in the way that we've not seen them play since the 2019 world cup and we don't know what they're going to look like when they get there but we do know that they've also had a long time period where they would have probably had quite a lot of time to train together as well which is where you might be able to see some similarities of that accuracy and that real um flair that they were able to give and what that will give to the lines is that as you say i mean i i don't know if i completely buy into the fact that it's uh an all aggressive upfront team. I mean, you look at the the picks in the back row, and it's one of the most dynamic back rows that he could have picked. It's just maybe in the centres where he's uh, where he's not picked as much flair in there. So I, I do hope that they don't go completely the route one. But then also, as South Africa should in the effective way to beat Japan was just to completely dominate them at set pieces. So it will be 
I think a really interesting game and I think it's a really interesting choice of game to start off with and it will provide a lot of different challenges and hopefully build a, a more well-rounded team of getting experience playing good rugby together before they go on tour when they'll come up against the South African provincial side that will just want to beat the crap out of them so yeah I think it's a fascinating test and I'm just looking forward to it because Japan play amazing rugby that I love watching. Yeah it's going to be an interesting challenge for the Lions, uh, I do not think that we can extrapolate any rhyme or reason as towards the first test against Africa in terms of lineup. I think it'll be experimental. I think it'll be players who might not necessarily play in the tests. And I think it also will be giving a chance to, for example, Stuart Hogg is due to play in a Premiership final very soon. Yeah going to need time just to rest his legs and he's not the only one Sam Simmons for example yeah I mean they're playing on the same day (laughs) oh I didn't even realize that we rewind yeah well not I didn't even realize that I I presume there was a week in between for some reason no no the premiership finals on the same day as the first that first Lions game I'm going to talk about that for a quick second John if you don't mind I'm going to add that in I think it's going to be an interesting test for the Lions and indeed for Japan I think you know considering that the Lions is the pinnacle of, of, of a career of a player who grew up in, in the UK or Ireland, for the Gallagher Premiership to be having the Premiership final on the same day is a really interesting call. I don't understand yeah. it. Uh, when you look at the amount of players who play for those two teams in the final, who will be not just members of the touring squad, but possible players who are pushing for a, a, a starting place in the tests, or indeed would be odds on favourites to play in the Southern Test. For example, Stuart Hoggs, Sam Simmons, to, to a slightly lesser extent, but still possibly going to be there. And yeah, you look Johnny at the, Hill and um, Luke Cowan Dickey. Uh, you've got... Well, you've got you've got Gatlin calling people in to the training squad this week. Who's having this conversation? I recognise that COVID has made things slightly difficult, but there's absolutely no reason that Gatlin shouldn't have his full squad available to him and i think this is yeah i'm sure there's someone that they've kind of waffled out in the media but there is no reason that Stuart hogg shouldn't be resting up ahead of this he should have played the final way 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 long time ago yeah absolutely and as you say covid is has been the primary factor in in affecting that and making it for this year but it's a kind of classic case of the club's are probably to certainly in, in England the clubs have all the chips when it comes to dictating this and it's obviously understandable that's where their money's based but there does yeah I think a some sort of centralization of the fixtures it would be beneficial for just everyone because it's also just another opportunity for those players to get injured in incredibly top level rugby it does have its benefits obviously the fact that they'll have be they'll be fresh out of top level competition rugby which is the sort of experience that you want but if they have that two weeks before you get the same thing as well so because i think that while you're right they'll be match fit but the jump between premiership even premiership final and any test rugby with a top tier nation which i think japan are it's as close it's as close yeah like i i think that i think that players that regularly play at the top level of european and domestic competition like that says it's not the same as test rugby don't get me wrong it's not the same as test rugby, but it does mean that it's not even necessarily about the standard. I also think it's about 
being in those kind of adverse situations potentially and like having the mentality that that breeds from that so you know if you, if, if you you're down in a premiership final how do you recover that how do you get back into that i think that those are the things that maybe psychologically they take into it more that is a fair point i think one of the reasons that this test friendly whatever you want to call it is happening as well is because let's be fair when was the last time the saracens five or whatever they're called whatever we're going to call them uh, who play, who are on the t- on the plane to South Africa, that they played Ealing at the weekend, came second in the league. But yes, they've been promoted, but I suppose it is a good opportunity for Farrell, uh, Winnipola, the only Winnipola on tour, yeah. uh, et cetera, to play some test rugby, I guess, because they won't have the yeah, definitely. Definitely. And yeah, I, I also, you see, so you look at that, the Saracens boys, yeah, they played in that game on the weekend, but they'll be fine to go out for it for that weekend. Yes, and then, uh, yeah. level. indeed, yeah. So on that note, then, what, um, let's have a quick chat about potential starting 15. Now, obviously, when this gets released, it will have already been released and we uh, we might look like idiots, as we often do, no doubt. But I was thinking I'd sort of go through and who do you predict will it be, obviously taking into account the yeah. players that have been playing in the big games this week. So, again, if we start with the with the front row, as we normally do, who do you reckon will be starting? It's, 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 a really, it's a really tough one because a lot of players, obviously some of the best players are still involved in the, um, the, the Premiership final. Um, so I reckon Tide Furlong is probably going to get a run out. Um, he's the only tight head who can still kind of play, to be completely honest with you. I well, don't it's think... Vegas are not available as well, but they'll probably be the two, won't they? Yeah, one of those two will probably start. Mm. Um, I, I'd lose head. It's hard to say because I don't think that Mako is going to play because he just played recently. Um, I don't know. Who do you think is going to play at loose head? Because that's an interesting one. I reckon it will probably be Win Jones with Mako on the bench. Yeah, I reckon you're probably right with that. I think that's that's a good, good way of putting it. Do you think that um, the second row? Do you think Alan Win Jones starts? I think he probably does. yeah, he does because I mean, when did Osprey's last play? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? And also, I think that for your first game, if they're available, you always want your captain to sort of lead the team out first, don't you? Sort of uh, set the precedent almost. They can always well, do it when possible. In 2005, I know it was a rather cursed, cursed tour. I do remember <laughs> Ronald Driscoll didn't play in the game against uh, Argentina at Murrayfield, which was a 25-25 draw. Yeah. Um, and so, similarly, in 2013, Sam Warburton didn't lead out the first game against the Barbars. Paul O'Connell did, but I think that if they're available, you probably want them to play. Oh yeah, well, I think I think he wants to get as many players playing as he can. So I think yeah, I think he plays. Do we think Atojo plays, or is it too soon? I think um, it's probably. I think I think I think he'll probably put him on the bench. Maybe Sticky and Henderson in the second row with him. Henderson is who I would have said. I think yeah. Ty Burns definitely starts. Um, I reckon, and then either Mish or Tipperick at seven with Falatau at eight. I'm going to say Tipperick and Falatau. That's where I think yeah. he's going to go, uh, because I actually don't think Tipperick is guaranteed a test. So I think this is his opportunity to kind of audition. Uh, I Definitely. think it's Connor. I think it's probably Dan Bigger. I think that he, because Biggs has been playing right until the end of the season and had a couple of semi-knocks, so I think he's going to play Finn Russell in that first game just to wrap Big R and Cotton Wool for a couple of weeks. But yeah, I reckon it will be either. I think it's a test start. I think it's the only test start that he'll get for Bondiaki at 12. Yeah, do you reckon? I think maybe, maybe. I think think it will be Chris Harris at 13. He'll want him fresh 
at 12. He'll want him to have had some test minutes because he's not starting. Yeah, and up, and up against sort of, um, what is it? It will be, well, I'm thinking it will probably be, um, what, Lafaele and Nakamura, who are neither of whom are massive centres. So he'll be looking to punch a hole in that midfield. And then I reckon he'll probably play Chris Harris outside of him. I think Chris Harris is a really good shout. Yeah, uh, because I think, again, yeah. it's about putting up a good fight, but not putting up your test 15, just a couple of them that come off the bench. Yeah, I for think sure. I, I think Reece Samet will start, even though I think he will play in the tests. Uh, I, I think Samet. I think you're looking at an all Welsh back three. I reckon he's going to go Zamet, Adams, and William Williams. Exactly the same thing. Um, so I think that's what you're going to get. So essentially, actually, we're talking about a massive Welsh Welsh shirt. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, who, I who I agree. You could get some uh, some wild players like maybe Watson might might get some time. Yeah, the, the Premiership players that didn't make it to the playoffs. Again, your your Watsons. Obviously, if Alatau's playing, he comes from Bath as well. Yeah, big guard. Courtney Laws could be in with a shout, actually, to um, to have a game in the pack just for his line-out value and things like that. But, um, yeah, it would be good. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Van der Merwe possibly turn up. Because again, That's true, because this is actually the perfect game for him. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Well, oh, I tell you what, him him up against uh, Masushima is like a con- contrast of styles, isn't it? Because he's probably <laughs> Japan's most kind of attacking minded, but all their most the biggest attacking threat. Is it Claremont he plays for at the moment in the in the top fourteen? He's a, I love him. He's a great player, and also if uh, because things I don't know what the Japanese team looks like at the moment, but the other one that I love, obviously, obviously you got your Michael Leach and Labashain and stuff. But um, was it Himeno, the number eight? He's a monster. Yeah. He's an absolute beast. I think that he's probably the one that will give you the closest comparison to the sort of baits you'll be coming up on the rest of the tour as well. So yeah, no, it'll be it'll be interesting. But, I reckon that's probably at the end of it. At the end of it, Charlie, like we 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 are more than likely going to be wrong, and I don't really mind. <laughs> yeah. If you're into your sport, it's not a bad two months. You know the Euros are on. Uh, yeah. We're going to have next month against the the the, the box. So listen, you know it's 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 going to be it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks. Uh, never mind the fact that we've said about domestic rugby to sort out. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely great stuff. I am buzzing for it. Just just because I like the fact that it's a test match within a test match. It's quite cool as well. Good opportunity, isn't it, for the players to have another one to the repertoire? Because at this point, Alan Wynne-Jones obviously needs more test caps. He's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> he's going to make it to 200. You heard it here first. He's just oh, never man. going to stop. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Right, we will move on now. So, and we will move on too i i can i've heard that there is a bulge in the mailbag this week there's a, <laughs> a twinge <laughs> welcome to nathan's mailbag it's dank and horrible in here but we have got to get the questions out the first question that we have comes from try scorer during the week mr felix Barr, and he has decided to ask us and this is of urgent this is an urgent answer is it acceptable i quote is it acceptable for a 30-year-old, Mr. Ben Nicholson, to be going to students' parties in the city of Sheffield. <laughs> what is your moral judgment on this? Well, I, so last year, last summer, at the ripe age of 23, I went to a student party with some people I sort of knew from before. And even I felt about 100 there. I went with, with Heather, my missus, and we both felt about 100 going. So I can't imagine what it would be like in your face. But yeah, no, I mean, you're, as long as you're not committing any dubious acts, then I don't see any, <laughs> any major moral objection to it. But um, well, yeah. I think on the whole, whole bench, just, just sort of that, right, mate? 
Um, but uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, so that was something that happened at the weekend, uh, during the week that we saw on the group chat. So uh, Ben, congratulations on being elected to the committee. Commiserations on having a terrible taste in nights out. Um, so just about regards to the actual rugby that we watched, um, Charlie, you know more about this than I do. I've watched a couple, I've watched my, my fair share of premiership stuff, but you are an actual fan. Do you reckon the game between uh, between Quinns and... Uh, and um, <laughs> the Bears, yeah. So I don't watch a lot of premiership rugby, but Charlie, do you reckon that the game between Quinns and, and, and between the Bristol Bears was the greatest premiership game of all time? Or has that one for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's so hard to define. I think that it was one of the most, certainly one of the most entertaining games of all time. And I think elevated by the fact that it was that entertaining in a knockout match is what probably puts it up there because you get games every season where there's ridiculous, like, you know, 64, 57 score margins or stuff. But you also just feel like there's defence is optional in those games, which it was to a certain extent at the weekend. But they will often be sort of dead rubber games in the season between, like, you know, Gloucester and Worcester or something, you know, when they'll just get kind of these mad tri-fests. And they're not up there in the same way. But the fact that it was in a semi-final, I think that, yeah, in terms of, great looking rugby and really entertaining rugby it was right it was definitely right up there I think that there were other games where maybe the scores weren't as high and maybe wasn't as much of a comeback but also there's maybe at times a high quality of rugby in a total perspective like actually I went to the Saracens Exeter final from a couple of years ago but yeah that was the 2019 final I went there and I think that was one of the best ones I've seen purely because it was a incredibly high quality rugby there was a bit of a comeback and it was really tense a real arm wrestle but a high quality one so those yeah it's impossible to say what is the best but it's certainly up there with one of the most entertaining and probably one of the best games I'd say partly because I'm a Quinns fan yeah, obviously no obviously I received that message from uh, from Chris Chris Moore um, who what before I ask his next question was, you know, willfully and gladly joined at our game against Yorkshire Ambassador Service last week with his mother, Kathy Moore, who led <laughs> for her birthday. So happy birthday to Kathy! Happy birthday to Chris! Many mom. happy returns. Happy returns. It was wonderful to have you at the game, and it was really great to have some of your cake at training on Tuesday, uh, and we really enjoyed having you down and, and, and screaming us on as loud as almost as loud as Shibby's fan club which we cannot say enough please come back we really enjoyed having you there uh, so on top of that one more question which again comes from Chris Moore thank you Chris for getting in touch a second time I've managed to uh, close the app there it is so Chris has actually a really good question uh, it's about the semi-final that we watched the weekend and the incident that I'm sure anyone who watched saw. So they went to watch it on the, with the, with uh, the, sorry, that sense again, I'm really sorry. So Chris was part of the group that watched the Premiership semi-final as part of a social, which is run by Ben, Ben Nicholson. So good work to you, Ben. Congratulations on getting onto the committee and immediately throwing a, a great social from what I've heard. They had a great time, but they were in the pub. So they're asking, Chris says, we didn't have the commentary in the pub. So why was that not a red card for a shoulder to the head of the play oh, in the build-up to the Carlequins last try? Now, I have a couple mm. of opinions on myself. Uh, I watched the game. I know that you did as well, Charlie. Why do you think they decided just to go for no, not even a free kick? or a penalty, but a red card? 
I was really surprised. Um, I was obviously not unhappy because of the result that it caused, but I was very surprised by modern standards that it wasn't given at least as a penalty. Um, first of all, I want to say that we always talk about intent, outcomes, etc., and how relevant it is. I don't think he's obviously. I don't think he's trying to smash his face. I think he's just trying to put in a big hit. And um, and he rides up slightly. I think the mitigation is the fact that he does make the initial contact slightly below and it rides up. But that for me then means that it's that just makes it not a red card. It's still a penalty, which I was really surprised by. I think that for, for me, I guess one of the important things is that I don't think it would have affected the result of the game. Um, they were deep within their own 22 that half their players could barely walk because they had cramp and they and. And they were already losing and they needed to obviously, you know, the, the match, the the try count and stuff. So I don't think it affects the game in that way. But yeah, I must admit, I was surprised um, that it wasn't given as as anything. So yeah, what were your thoughts? I think I'm kind of on board with you, to be honest with you. I was, I was, I watched it, as I've said. I think when I was listening to the commentary and slow motion, and I realised the guys who have been emailed in didn't, have the commentary but the commentary was very much a case of yeah it slid up um they kind of they backed that idea they backed the idea that the shoulder hit shoulder and then happened to slip slip up i'll be honest i thought it was a red straight off the bat based on what we've seen from the last couple of red cards both domestically and internationally but i agree with you overall i don't think it was enough i don't think that bristol bristol even if they had been sent off bristol would already have been on 13 versus 14 as a first as opposed to 13 versus mm-hmm. 15 and I don't think they had it in them to score. Um, you know, you. Can, I mean, some of them couldn't move. You see, Harry Thacker, he was actually like frozen on the halfway line. He's, they were cramping up so badly. I really admire Thacker, and it to be fair, but I don't think it would have changed anything. And if any, and I'm not, not I, I would never be one to excuse high tackles because we have to stomp them out. We have to make sure that they're safe. But it was definitely for me a shoulder and ride up incident. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I think I think that pretty much caps it off. Obviously, it's always the sort of thing that you never want the game to end with that sort of controversy. Um, it's a sort of situation again where I think that you you I want intent to be looked at more than just completely outcome based. And yeah. I think that his intent is to make a big tackle and to make a dominant tackle. And uh, I don't think for a second he's trying to he's trying to hurt him in the in the way that it came across. But yeah, I, I'm happy that he didn't get sent off, but I'm also very, very surprised that there was no penalty given for it. So yeah, that's it. As I promised on the uh, Vulcan's chat, I said I would ask Charlie what his favorite, who his favorite Spice Girl was. So who is it, Charlie? Is it Baby, Sporty, Ginger, Posh, or the other one? I was about to say you were you, you were running on thin ice. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you were. <laughs> I was thinking. I no no way he knows. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm a I'm a Baby Spice fan. I'm a I'm a <laughs> mostly mostly because I've actually met her. So I feel like I've got to do it by default. Primary school teacher. Yeah, but no, I met her. So weird weird anecdote, but. I in between summer, sorry, in between semesters at uni, like over the summer when you had those ridiculously long breaks. So I used to come back and work here back home, and I worked in this little arcade in Pagham that was a um, was the whole point of it was that it was like an arcade from 50 years ago that was still running and had like all of the 
the old school machines and stuff so it's a bit of a not i wouldn't call it you know a worldwide tourist destination but um baby emma she doesn't live that far away from the area it's where she's from and um yeah she takes it she took her kids there while she was there and i met her and i, I served her so i was like oh i'm pretty sure that's baby spice and it was and my word she is tiny like you know when you think you know when the whole thing is that celebrities are always smaller than you think they are she is minuscule she's so small i guess it makes sense when it goes along with the name but she was very nice she was very polite everyone everyone's minuscule to you you maniac (laughs) but she was really small after after dinner treat (laughs) (laughs) Um, well yeah fair Oh, I should be so lucky. But yeah, no, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, th- I think I think on that, we'll probably time to blow the whistle on the episode. <laughs> I hate you guys. Why do I do this? Oh, oh just be- just before we go, just before we go, um, just to say we are still recruiting. So anyone that has heard us on any platform and wants to come and give it a go, no matter your age, come size, play, experience, yes. just come over. Come Obviously, I... Play. <laughs> exactly we're popular over there <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to come over to sheffield tigers on a tuesday or thursdays at norfolk park if you'd like to come down and if you want to get in touch before you do it you can feel free to contact us or if you want to go through the official channels email liam on recruitment at sheffieldvulcans.com also Steelers documentary we will be covering that very soon it is in the pipeline so get a chance to watch it it is free to stream on prime have a watch so you can be joining in with us when we sort of discuss it superb piece of filmmaking uh it's a great great introduction to the sport and just a wonderful um example of why inclusivity in sport is such a wonderful thing yeah massively fantastic okay so if you like what we've heard today make sure you are following us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, podbean or spotify or just wherever you get your podcasts to be notified when a new episode drops and we are on social media so if you'd like to keep up to date with what the team are up to make sure you're following the pod on instagram and twitter at chef balkans pod meanwhile if you'd like to know more about the team and what we do that's the sheffield balkans team head over to our website www.sheffieldvalkans.com or check us out on facebook instagram and twitter at chef balkans we'll be back in two weeks so for now this is the sheffield vulcans podcast signing off bye bye can't wait to have you back john